All right, what's up, everybody? It is Wednesday night, so you know what that means. It is track chat with the most known unknowns. I am Coach Kyle. We got the alchemist himself, do it for Lil Saint, aka Lamont Johnson, and our special guest. All right, and I think we're gonna make this a, a weekly or possibly a bi-weekly thing, but our most known unknown coach for the week. We giving out the first award, Coach Ernie Clark, man. <laughs> Glad to have you on the show. How you doing this week? I'm great, man. So you're gonna have me on like every week? You just said? <laughs> nah. So Sam, so Sam came up with this idea. He was like, <laughs> I like that. I like that though. But to the people out there, Stance, he was like, man, you know what? You know, if uh, you know, if there's just gonna be some phenomenal performances on a weekly basis, mm -hmm. we need to start handing out like this most known unknown like award. Yeah, I love it, man. Doing it so. You're the first one to get it. So nice. We, we're gonna get honored too. So all right, but before before we really because this is gonna be your show, man. We're gonna hit you with some good questions. Uh you're hot right now. But before we get into that, we gotta recap the weekend. COVID couldn't have been too bad, man, because it's be it's becoming a record setting year, you know, both at the NCAA level and the professional level. So do we want to start with the 1500 first or just jump right into Grand Holloway, Lamont? Which Let's one? Let's go with the 1500 first, man, so we can spend lots of time on, on you. Yeah. Yeah. We got we to come for Lamont, Nick, anyway, because we know who we picked. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, Stamps. Um, well, I'll defer. I, I got all – I'm all Grant. I, I, I was at uh, meet for four days this past week and meet set up, and then the two, three meets we had at ETSU's campus, I don't – I honestly don't know what went on other than what happened what? on our campus. So, no, you didn't. all right. So, Lamont, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll let you start it, y'all. I saw it. I did. So, I I'm not even going to try to pronounce the young woman's name because I'm going to butcher it all the way to hell. If you didn't see the race, she pretty much drugged them to the deepest part of the ocean and said, You're, you're, you're done. That was one hell of a run, you know, and for her to just drop the world record the way she dropped it, it was something, it was something to see, and she's gonna be a threat in Tokyo. Um, you know, I'm definitely I'm definitely interested in seeing what she does when she get outside. You know, like I said, I don't know too much about the young woman because it's it's almost like every year there's a new, you know, either Asian or 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 African this is run that come up and just wipes the field away. You know, you know, we all are the Baba, you know, you know, the, the Baba sisters, we all love them. Um, but this right here, this is something that was just remarkable, man. So congratulations to her on the world record in the fifteen hundred meters. Um I want to say Ethiopia. I maybe I may be is that the young lady with the last name Hassan? No, um, okay. I yeah, I can't, man. Listen, me trying to pronounce it, I'm just trying to bite my tongue off, man. I'm I'm good. <laughs> well, no, what, what I was gonna ask because I, I didn't write it down was it was it like an eight second drop from the old record? What was the do you yeah, remember? It, 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 was eight, it was like an eight second, six to eight second drop from yeah. that. That's that, that, that's a that's what we call getting curb stomped, yeah. Okay, that's not just breaking the war record, that's just completely. Demolishing the world record completely. She she shattered it, man. She shattered it. So, yeah. all right. So briefly, briefly, man. Let's touch on Grant, and then we we got to get into Coach Clark, man. Right, let me let me let me let me let me let me start all that all the way off. Now, 
with our special guest here who has a, a dynamic young man uh, that's a 400-meter runner and a 60-meter hurdler, Coach Clark, mm-hmm. as, you, as you've seen Omar McLeod, you know, let's just say he was he was the top guy until, you know, Grant came. He was the top guy. Was the operative word or is the operative word? Can wow. Because Lamont isn't really the hurdle, uh, the hurdle guy of us. <laughs> Stop it. Stop and it. Bernie, can you could you please let him know just. Just by the difference in lead legs of Omar McLeod and Grant Holloway, and how Grant Holloway is going to continue to murder everybody and set yeah. probably what twelve seventy nine. Well, hold up, hold up. Before we get into that, because we, we got the whole show for the details, can we at least let's at least discuss Grant's American record that he broke again himself versus the world record? You right, know, you get way too ahead of yourself. Uh, yeah, way too ahead of yourself. I'm not. Not I'm you, not, not you, not you, Stamps. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's just start with the record itself versus the actual world record. We've seen those videos side by side. So I want you guys' opinion because I, I think Grant's, you know, looked a lot better, even though, you know, just from the last hurdle to the finish line was a little bit slower. That's where he didn't get the world record. But oh, are you talking about or are you talking about um the the video that was up between him and Colin Jackson. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Colin Jackson's last hurdle from hurdle five to the finish line that was just ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you're right. Um, Grant ran a clean race, but what happened was, and this is what I'm trying to explain to Mr. Alchemist himself. Grant's greatest attribute. It's going to be one of his biggest downfalls. He got too close to hurdle five. His speed that we're all enamored with, we all love the fact he can run 650. We know right now if, if Coach Holloway put him in the 100 right now, he could probably run under 10 seconds, guaranteed. You don't run you don't run on the 37-second relay team and three of y'all can't run under, uh, under 10 seconds, all right? I'm sorry. In the U, especially given the circumstances and all the stuff that they were doing. He also ran 43 points. His speed caught up to him into hurdle five. You watch hurdle five. Watch what happened. And this is why I've been saying that, you know, Omar McLeod outdoors is going to be a different story. But either way, going back to indoors, 732. That's the number two time ever ran. Number two. And, 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 and he didn't even run four to five the way he was supposed to. Can he run under 730? He will. It's just a matter of when. Hopefully, this is not his last meet. I think he's running again. So hopefully he can run and he'll probably end up running I'll call 726. If they All fix right. if they fix that hurdle. I'll call 726. All right, Coach Clark, what's your take on it, man? We we get tired of listening to Lamont. What what do you think? Well, I th- without question, the guy's phenomenal, which is a word that I would overuse just watching him. That race he ran honestly looks like it's in fast forward mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's so so i wouldn't say it's his speed that's the problem it's his length he's so long he doesn't have he doesn't have any kind of time to let his limbs get out of control because as soon as, as soon as he does he is going to be too close to hurdles or he's going to be in the air too long um so his his speed can actually help him 
be the best ever, but it's being able to, I think, control all of his limbs to, to make sure that nothing gets out of control or he doesn't get too close to hurdles or he doesn't land too far off of hurdles or whatever else. Because if, if we're saying five is a problem right now, what's going to happen in six and seven all the way through 10? We're, we're pretty much saying he's not going to get it figured out and he's not going to be what he could be in the 110s. And I, I would disagree with that. He's going to figure it out. Coach Holloway is going to help him figure it out. And uh, he's going to, I think he's going to run some times that blow our mind. And I, but also on his end, he's going to be like on the verge of a huge crash at all times, but that's okay. That's part of it. That's part of it. Yep. It is part of it. Stamps, you got anything to add? Uh, so coach Clark, uh, Omar McLeod for the Olympic gold or, or Grant Holloway? Oh, I'd pick Grant every day of the week, three times on Wednesday, twice on Tuesday. I think he's, I think he's going to be unbeatable. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, since I threw the team last week, I'll go ahead and, and assume the position. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Anyway, let, let, let's go. Let, let, let's go. Let's go, Cal. Let's keep in All right, so Coach Clark, man, for the for the people that don't know you, give us give us just your brief a brief history of your career. Sure, right. man. Yeah. Well, I, I'll I'll start with actually my high school career. I ran track. I wasn't good. I got better. And I started to get an inner drive to coach. So um, I got good enough to run at a D2 school, uh, went there, earned a little bit of scholarship money, got down to the uh, 52.5 and the 400 hurdles, got to run a lot of different events, which was actually really helpful now in my career. Um, high school coaching, club coaching for 14 years, and life kept pulling me to the college game or upper level game. Like I really wanted to get with upper level athletes. And in the back of my mind, I wanted to help athletes get to like the USA championships, get to the Olympic trials, get to the Olympic games, simply because I didn't have the ability to do so. Uh, so that intrigued me. I really liked helping people. So I, I started volunteering at Indiana University, stepped out of high school and club coaching. Um, and then after a year of that, this job opened up. And I decided to go for it. Uh, and quite honestly, I interviewed thinking that I wouldn't take it. And instead, I said, something feels right about this, man. And I work with a guy named Judd Logan, who's a four-time Olympian, produced like something crazy, like 250 All-Americans, you know, record holders, Olympians. Something felt right. And I, I really thought that I could be mentored and learn from him while I started this path. Here we are. I'm in my sixth year right now. Cool. All right. So, I mean, we know who your guy is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Trevor Bassett. Some people do. Some, some people don't. Do. Some, some actually don't. don't. Some yeah. Don't. Yeah. Well, we, we know who your guy is. So. You already know I know who he is. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I've seen it from the beginning. <laughs> right. So let's, let's start. Let's start with my first question to you is, um, he has a very unique combination, you know, yeah. 400 and the, the hurdles. Where do you where do you see him as his coach currently having more long term success? Oh, it's the 400 hurdles without question. That's the long term plan. Mm -hmm. um, and in recruiting him, it always was. And you guys know this. 
in their mind, it's always the shortest, easiest race. Like that's what, you know, I'm gonna be a superstar. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in the shorter race that don't hurt so much. And I recruited him for him to be an all around guy. And I told him he was going going to be a national champ in the 400 hurdles. And his sophomore year, he was and went to the USA championships. And he was the D2 runner up in the highs. And he, and he told me, coach, you always told me that this was going to be my stuff. But if you could have never convinced me that I would be a national champ in the 400 hurdles before the 110s. But that's his long term. Um, and it's never been any doubt in my mind. It's just whether or not he bought into it. Right. Uh, well, as, as, as a, a 400 hurdler, um, what is – in your opinion, his strength other than his speed. So obviously we can denote the fact that if he's run 45-2 indoors, he should be mm -hmm. running sub-44s. I'm sure he split some 44s. What, uh, you know, the 400 hurdles is, is that, uh, as Vince would always say, it's, it's a dance. It's, it's about rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, talk about what you what are his, Trevor's uh, strengths in the 400 hurdles that have nothing to do with his speed. I'd be interested to know well, that. Well, one is going to be the fact that he's fearless. You know, you get to too many hurdlers in general, but especially 400 hurdlers, yeah. they always got this fear about using their speed or dying or attacking hurdles, coming off hurdles. I mean, it's just a mix of things. They got a fear of using their off leg or the weak leg. He doesn't have any of those things. The man is fearless. Um, he came to some of my camps when he was in high school. So from the get-go, he was doing some weak leg drills and getting more comfortable with it. You know, my big thing is always, I don't need it to feel as good. I just need it to look as good and I need mm -hmm. it to be efficient. So he's been doing that since, you know, I don't remember when I met him, maybe when he was 16, but he had come to Ashland camps before I even existed. So then when I got here, he had come to a couple camps and, and I saw some things that I liked, but that's number one is just his fearlessness on all of those pieces. Um, I think what's going to really help him actually now is probably it's going to start happening is going to be his experience in the race. He understands the rhythm piece. He understands 13 step versus 14 step versus what a 15 step is. Right. And we all know it's really all about hurdle splits. Yeah. But at the same time, like if you can hit and hold some of these hurdle splits at 13, that's a whole different ball game. Right. Um, and I think now that he has, the technical attributes to be able to 13 and hurdle strong through the whole race. And I think that's going to change the game for him. Okay. What, how tall is he? He's probably six, three, okay. maybe six, four with the poofy hair now. Gotcha. <laughs> so you mentioned like you let him know like his sophomore year. That, well, before so you, he was going to be a national champion in, in the recruiting process. Yeah. yeah I mean, so I, that, I spoke some of those things idea. out for him. So, yeah, what did you see that, that made you say, hey, this guy has something or he's going to be special? Well, one of the things I always look for, even before, like, overall body composition build, is I look for their ability to have bounce and speed off the ground. And he was this little skinny, gangly kid that looked like he was about six foot tall and, you know, 109 pounds. But everything that he did – didn't matter if it was on video or at camp. He had an incredible ability just to get off the ground. Hmm. And in my experience, if you can get those 
guys and girls to start to have some mechanics, really good things happen. You know, that they have some natural tendencies of dorsiflexion. They have some really good stretch reflex in their, their Achilles. And he had some of those. Uh, and I like height, right? It's no, it's not like a surprise or myth. A lot of the really good hurdlers, a lot of the really good 200, 400 types have nice strides. They have long strides. You know, I don't know measurements, but I know what they look like. And I could tell that he, he was going to have that as well. Okay. Yeah. This past week, this this is my last question, I, and I'm gonna hand okay. it out. <laughs> I got one, so good. Go ahead. Uh, so this past weekend, so coaches, you know, coaches, we always we have some some coaches predict times, or they they mm -hmm. may not tell them, but they may write them down, or they know what possibly could happen. Uh, before he lined up this weekend, like were you in a space as his coach, like no shock, no surprise, you already knew what was in store. Are you talking? You specifically talking about the four hundred? Or are you talking about both, both races? Both. So we sat down and it was funny because, you know, it's literally right here on my desk. I took this little post-it notepad and I wrote, I wrote a 60 hurdle time, you know, and I pretty much said, I know you can do this. I know that you can go 765 or in the ballpark and that would get you at this point in the world. Like that would, that would put you on the list at this in the world. Your 200 time is right here. We're going to work that down. Not yet, but this is what you are in the world right now. Your 400, this is what I think you can run. And you know that you can run this. So we did all of that. I was 0.03 off in the, in the high hurdles. And um, I told him he could go 45, 50 or faster. And I totally knew that by some of the numbers he's been putting down in practice mm -hmm. and finishing reps. Uh, so... Uh, was I excited? Hell yes. Was I surprised? Not really. Cool. All right. Here, here are my two questions. Uh, describe, um, and we might even, I guess, touch on this uh, if I open the, the can of worms that it is, because I actually had an incident at practice today where one of my 400 meter runners that's female uh, questioned, you know, why we were doing a session we were doing. So give me. Uh, your uh, your best like speed power session you would do with Trevor and give me your best like speed endurance, whatever the longer version of something that, that you might do uh, uh, for Trevor. I don't know if it's inside a week or you know over two weeks, uh, but, you know, a speed session, because, I mean, if it, for him to be able to come through 21, was it 36, 37? He was 21, 37, yeah. 37 and obviously go finish. So I, I, I'm I'm curious for knowledge of, you know, as you, as a coach, because I came and watched your uh, your uh, your TED talk at a convention before COVID. Uh, year before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what, right. What's your favorite speed session with him leading into Arkansas, and then like your strength, speed endurance uh, type session? Sure. Well, I know you know we all go to these you know these sessions and these clinics and these certifications, and they're all cool, right? Like we learn stuff, and I'm just going to give you guys my own opinion. There's obviously some world-class coaches out there that teach and preach some things really well. But then I think people take that knowledge and they literally just only copy it. You know, they never do anything else with it. So, like, there's some pieces. <laughs> there's some pieces that I do 
that I know that first, I'm just going to tell you straight up, break the rules, which I do on purpose. As long as you have a purpose for what the hell you're doing, then something's going to happen. Um, and now if they buy into it, it's game over. So, uh, in terms of the, the speed power stuff, this is what you guys are going to find. There ain't, there ain't a dang thing that's fancy about me. You're not going to see a bunch of pretty sleds. I didn't even ever hear of a 1080 until the summer. Didn't know what it was. So I don't have any of the stuff. Okay. I go to our, the head coach and be like, Hey man, can I, can I spend $115 on these bands? You know, that's my world. Well, we're tight, but yeah, I guess, coach. Okay, great. You know, so we don't have this huge budget. And I don't believe in a lot of gadgets. I like a couple little toys, but again, there's purpose. Bang. So Bang. with with our with our kind of power day, our power day only has to do with acceleration and a tap on speed. Right. So, you know, we do um I really like resisted block starts and all of my stuff happens with a partner resisting them on a strap, on a belt. And I'm literally going to tell their teammates how much resistance to put on them, depending on what I see. All right. So we always do a speed power warmup. That's going to include uh, some, some sprint drills, some bound type stuff, some speed bound stuff. And then we get into, reaction drills and we get into these um resisted block starts and those will range anywhere from 10 to 20 meters depending on what i want and as we progress i purposely lighten those up and i make their partners hey we're gonna go a little bit lighter today let them move um but so that happens so i don't have to jack around with sleds i don't have to jack around with other resistance devices or changing weight i just got people on the back and i'm instructed on the fly so we usually do about three of those and then we get into sprint stuff or we get into to hurdle stuff actually. Um, once we get some starts in, we go to some really fast stuff, maybe two times 30, 40 meters up to maybe six, 60 meters. And then I always like to end a session like that with my, my philosophy is if I'm going to, if I'm going to get their body to move really fast and technical, why would I not now take it and make it last longer? So always one of our next type of reps is like now we're going to do a couple 110s or a couple 120s or a couple 150s and we're going to haul. We are not we are not floating around. We're not doing sprint, float, sprint. We are going to absolutely hit it. Now, I never th- – this is, this is something that I always get frustrated about. Coaches always talk about going speed. You got to run fast to get faster. Totally agree. But it's, it's also part of how you run fast. Right. So the whole time I'm coaching, giving cues, maybe even asking the athletes some question or giving positive feedback because how they're doing it is also important. Um, so that's really, that's really our power day. It, gotcha. It's that simple. All right. Um, now, now he's a quarter hurdler. What's that strength like? You know, what, what, what would be the longest? Where's the longest you take it volume wise? And like, what's what's one of his his death death days, as as we would call it this way, Mont, Mont Mondays. Well, you guys actually, if you saw the convention or the four hundred talk, you already know it, and that thing's starting to bounce around, and people are starting to know it. But for that, it's all about working towards the type of finish that you need to hit 
to be able to hit your 400 goal. Okay. And for me, it's all about the last 200. I've got to show them and teach them <laughs> that <laughs> I've got to show them and teach them and push them to be able to run a 200 meters. What I, what I call dog shit tired. You've got to be able to do it. And if you can start taking the speed component on the front side and hitting PRs and one fifties and two hundreds, and then start to hit some PRs and practice of fatigue, two hundreds and one fifties, and keep it together. By the way, run it the right way. Don't just flop all over the place. I want to see your head up, you know, chin moving or straining. Do it the right way. Then, then you can start building the actual PR on race day. So those workouts, you know, like what we're doing right now is what I call progressive two hundreds, um, but it's just. 200, 200, 200. Range of rest in those are anywhere from one minute to two minutes, depending on where we're at in training. We'll do two to three sets of those. Miles Pringle, who ran 45, six indoors, got up to three sets of them. This year, we've only done two sets of those. And Trevor started finishing some of those pretty fast. And some I've added over the last couple years, we do two sets of two sets of these three times 200 progressively getting fast take a break do it again take three minutes rest and then we bust we bust a 200 with all we got and trevor and one of my other guys actually too are starting to hit some times that made me know that they're going to be able to finish some of these 400s really fast um and that's the type of workout that's going to put them down they're very difficult because they're getting to pretty high intensity levels while fatigued. Yes. You the man. Now I, I and, and I'll share one more piece to that too. That's not the end of the day. They've got some jump reps after that. They've got some resisted sprints with perfect form after that. And then depending on how they're doing, we may have some, some buildups that are considered form running through the finish line to help cool down and also to help them to work form through fatigue. So it's a lot to it, man. Appreciate oh, you. Appreciate oh, it. Listen, you know, <laughs> you know, I've had a saying, I'm not exactly the brightest crayon in the Crayola box. Yeah. I've heard you say that before. Right. right. And the fact of the matter remains is that when you hear somebody say something and you know that you've done exact almost exactly the same stuff. Like all of us kind of do the same thing, and it feels good to hear another yeah. colleague of us, you know, you know, you know, just regurgitate what we all do. Because, like you said, everybody gets stuck on. Everyone gets stuck on this one specific type of training. Right. You know, I, ain't, I ain't gonna call nobody out. I'm. I'm, I'm yeah, I agree. Here. Don't have to. You know, but you know, I tell everybody all the time. There's a reason why. Most of the Olympic champions come out of one specific type of group, yeah, absolutely. and everybody else can't make it out of the semis coming out of that group. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just I'm just saying. Now I've seen Trevor from the beginning stages. You know that I mm -hmm. was there from the I was there from the beginning. I know, I I I know that he also had a great. Group of guys who train with which I run 304, 305. They were in 306. I wish yeah. I could tell you 304, 305, but we were in okay. 306.1. Right. Mm. And how did 
Miles helped Trevor become what he is oh, now, and and those other guys around because there was some other guys on that team too that was very notable. Was very notable, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's pretty simple. They wanted to be good too. I ended up with a core group of people that wanted to be good, that bought into the fact that, and I know that you guys will be able to respect this. That St. Augs wasn't untouchable. You know, too many, too many people look at teams and athletes, jersey names, division, and they think, oh, but that's them. We can't do that. Right. And I'm not that guy. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what your jersey says. I don't care about division. I don't care about facilities. I care about details, mental toughness, doing things the right way, fearlessness. So we're going to do all this stuff, and we're going to buck up and go. Miles bought into that, and then the guys around him bought into that, and he pretty much encouraged that. He, he very much became an extension of me to the point of if he'd get mad at practice and he'd start getting on the team, I'd be in the, over on the side giggling because the man is saying my words. <laughs> so Miles helped some of that. You know, just the expectation of this is what we do. Quit asking questions. Do what we do. Do it right. Do it right now. You know. So basically, what you're saying, culture said you you there was a culture that was set, and oh. now it's and now it's there. Oh, it's yeah, without question. By my yeah. by my third year, the culture had shifted. My first year, you guys know that Ashland's a winning a winning program that they produced mm-hmm. a lot of high class athletes. But when I got here, that group had kind of diminished, as did the belief, as did some of the work ethic. And I'm not saying that they were they were all bad because they were not. But it was kind of like, she's good, he's good, but I'm not good. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, a good majority of my group didn't have confidence and didn't want to work at the level that they should have. And then what I was you- able to, to elevate that. What what types of things? Because I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be vulnerable. That's something that I struggle with daily in my group. What types of things did you do or mm. conversations you initiated? Because I have some kids that are like on the cusp, could be a lot better. And I hear them talking, man, I can't do that. I'm like, hey, don't, don't doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, don't knock yourself. Like, you know, is there any advice you could give, you know, to a program if you come in as a consultant and say, hey, this this is how said culture is established based off of what we did at, uh, at Ashton. Yeah, one of the guys that I coached ended up coaching with me for a couple seasons. And one of the things that he said to a recruit really stuck with me. And he, he, they asked the same type of question. What makes the culture here so good? Why are you guys as a group so good? And he said, let me answer that. As somebody that was an athlete and now a coach, Coach Clark is never going to lower his expectation. He's always going to keep it up there. And so that's that piece of it. The other piece is I never stop talking. Like I'm going to talk positivity and focus, details, preparation, into your brain until all you hear is coach Clark in your own brain instead of the other side, which is self doubt, which is excuses because you guys as athletes, you know, we do that. 
you know, and I was guilty of it too. But by the time I was a senior in high school, I had mastered my mind in a way that I pretty much believed I could do anything and I would work for it. But I've realized over 20 years of coaching, that's not everybody. So I want to be that voice for them until theirs takes over. Um, and then you got something. But the other side of that, you guys know this, is sometimes they get there, but then they start regressing back. So you kind of can never, like we don't ever get the rest. People don't, people don't get that. The, even your very best people will regress if you don't stay kind of on top of it. Right. Gotcha. Here's now now here's my here's my other question here. I'm gonna take it back. I'm gonna take it back to, to, to Trevor. What made you all decide to go to the Arkansas meet? Like what went into Oh, that? that's easy. That's easy. I don't know what meets y'all get into, but we you know, the meets are low level, small, two hundred flat track, three hundred track, low level mm. comp. So you know, I'm I'm seeing these meets surfacing and coming up, and I was um, I had reached out to uh, Chuck Ryan actually and said, "Hey okay. man, what do you what do you know about these meets?" And he's like, "Paul Doyle, good meets. You should just reach out to him." So I just started reaching out. I thought, man, if I can get him into this, this will help elevate him. Because he's ready to do some things, but with the with us piecing together this fragmented schedule, I mm. just don't I don't know if it can happen. And you know, for Miles and for some of our other high level athletes, we get them to some special spots to hopefully get to higher levels of competition to help push them to a level. So I was really just trying to do something we had done in the past. Reached out, made some contact, finally got it going and I mean the rest is history we're lucky to have some really good fundraising uh help in general within our our program that's made a lot of things possible that would not have been in general uh this season now mentally you know trevor he's locked in like like i said I've, he is yeah i i've seen him from the very beginning you know i had you no know, i had a head start on the world um what was it like, like when he got to Arkansas, did you feel you had to do a lot more talking in order to get him to the level where he can compete comfortably? Or was it something that, you know, you just kind of let him be, then let him come to like, how did you go about the mental aspect with him? Because he's stepping into he's that's his first legit mm -hmm. big time race, regardless of, what the regards of what those individuals ran mm -hmm. in his head, he's at a professional meet because it's built as a professional meet. So, right. what, was the what was the mentality going into that meet? What was the mentality at the venue before he got on the track? Well, if you guys really want to get impressed, I didn't go with him, we sent him alone. So, Ooh. Ooh. wow, yeah. So, the, you know, everything, all the talks that we had were at this desk. You know, I made him an outline of things. I told him why he deserved to be there. I told him why he was going to become one of the world's best for both meets. You know, I sat down and talked through a bunch of things with him. But he's been to the USA Championships, all right? Um, and I think that experience, in my opinion, helped him 
but it still was not, especially that year, it wasn't the level of what he was about to see. He's, he's such a focused and determined guy that, and I see, I see a lot of myself and a lot of athletes, but I see a, a, a heck of a lot in him, except he's a lot faster than I was, but he, he can compartmentalize nervousness for, pos for positivity to help him perform better. He can focus on like controlling the things he can control, not on the things that he can't control. Um, he can understand that he belongs there because of his commitment to work, right? So he does a good job of pushing away self-doubt and keeping nerves under control. In the first round, by the way, I don't. In the first round of the hurdles, in the second meet with Omar and those guys, it it wasn't that pretty. Like I don't know if you guys watched it and watched him in particular. I, I, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's I not I pretty, I right? Part of the race you was talking about, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I saw it. Yeah, though, though, that was a moment of, of I think, his nerves and him getting a little, little out of his comfort zone. But then he honed in, in, in the final, and was able to really put it together. Uh, and I knew that that might happen. Like it would happen to any of us, if I'm being honest. But I wanted him to really commit to whether it goes perfect or not, make the final and give yourself that second chance. Mm. Uh, and, and he was able to do that. So there was some talking without question, guys, but a lot of it happened before he ever got on the plane. And then we had a couple uh, you know, phone talks or FaceTimes, but he was very locked in. Nervous, yeah, but, but locked in. Okay. Okay. I got a, you got another one because we got a we got a no, go right ahead. We got a question from, from the viewers, and this is from Nate. So, Coach Clark, what is or are your short-term and long-term goals that you want to accomplish in your coaching journey? Well, you know, I, I get asked stuff like that, guys, and I I just want to help people reach their max potential. All right? That's, that's number one. I don't have, like, a checklist of, you know, I have to be a head coach or I have to be in this uh, – this specific level or this specific conference um, because I think some of those things are going to happen on their own if I just do things the right way and go really hard about it. I learned quite a few years ago when I was laid off from teaching for three years in a row and some others just trash happened in my life. Mm -hmm. I was a very hardworking man and doing a lot to help a lot of people and make a living and Stuff kept falling apart. So I've learned to focus forward, work really hard, and do things the right way. Um, and, and that's what's got me here. You know, that's the reality. So I don't have any pinpointed goals right now except to continue to help people get to NCAA championships, the Olympic trials, their own country's championships, you know, those types of things, get to the Olympic Games. That's really what I want to do. Okay. Go ahead, Lamar. Oh, man. You know, I'm, I don't want to skip. I don't want to skip over indoor, but I'm, I'm super excited about what could potentially happen outdoor. Right. You know, you know I'm living vicariously through all of y'all because, you know, they shut my entire year down. I have no season for the mm -hmm. second year. <laughs> and so um, outdoors. You know, obviously we're gonna let's go to the 400 hurdles. Clearly, we know 
the man that we all dubbed John Wick, known as Rob Benjamin, is the odds-on favorite mm-hmm. to yeah. win the trials. You know, for me, over the last couple of the, last couple of the years, those second and third places has been a little mm-hmm. up and down. Right. You know, where do you see? Do you do, do you think he has a fighting shot of of making one of those top three spots? Yeah. And if so, if so, where in the, in the if you have some kind of training thus far, have you seen it? Where like, okay, I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, we're going to do something. Oh. <laughs> you know, you know, we all have those coaches moments. Like, yeah, so he ran fast. His sophomore year, he ran fifty point eight at mm-hmm. the at USA's. And that's when, that's not only when I think he started to realize how good he could become, but also when he's looking around and, you know, he's running against Rye Benjamin and some of these other other guys that are well-known across the country. And he's like, if I would have done this and this, I could have been a little bit closer. So really, guys, from that moment on, it's been nothing about anything but getting up to that level, nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's been all about, about getting the 200 time down and the 400 time down and become the most fine-tuned hurdler possible to get to that goal. And he's really good about having a no-excuse mentality and just working for it. So I'm going to tell you straight up, you know, staying injury-free, getting to outdoor, he's going to have a shot because of the work and the mentality without question. And now you're seeing some of the speed components to show up. Like, you know, if he was running 48.5 in the 400, yeah, you know, we'd be all dead, not happening, but he's you're, you're running. Be the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. But as a, as a junior last year, he split 45.7 on our indoor four by four. So I knew we knew, and it's been in the talks now for you know over a year of what we're trying to accomplish, and it's to get to that top three in the United States. Mm. So, and like I said, you know, I don't want to dominate this whole thing. You know, I'm just super excited that you know there's a, another phenomenon that's that that's coming out of the Division Two ranks. What is it that you want everyone to learn about? your program and the the beauty in which division two has been like like what is developed over the years because listen ashland don't put out some really good athletes yeah, they have. what is it that you want the world to know about just everything just division two because you know anyone gets caught up in the facilities this and the third let me make sure i let everyone know something this is not his first 45 second guy yeah it's his fastest 45 second guy but this isn't his first and if you ever watch his team compete they compete like their lives depend on it you it you had to be at the 2019 outdoor championships on <laughs> yeah. <what> <laughs> okay you had to be there so well, i'm sorry but go ahead you, you go ahead and uh, um answer that question well i'll be honest my i have no idea how to answer that question <laughs> i i don't know what i want people to know i just think we all have like certain kind of guidelines or certain beliefs that we want to have in our program. And for, 
one of mine is passion. I will, I want you to have passion because you're going to deal with shin splints and strains and pain and workouts and sacrifice. You got to be passionate about this. So I look to find people with passion and I look to build on it and I make sure that I have passion about it because if you are not passionate as a coach, why in the hell would they be? Mm. So I think it's important to find that and instill it, but also to model it. And then I think trying to build a culture of, I want everybody at their best is really important. I don't care if you're number 10 on the best list in our program or number one. We're, we all have the same goal, which is to work hard and get better right. with no excuses. Uh, and I take a lot of pride in the whole roster getting better. Mm. I don't take, like, I'm not that guy that gets really excited about the one guy or the one, one girl at all. It doesn't do anything for me. I don't go home and pat myself on the back. I want to see the program move. And I think, you know, I have to do a good job of that, too, of making sure that everyone knows that because – we have had some superstars. So when they get to go to meet, you know, at Arizona State or the American Track League, it's pretty easy to get jealous. It's pretty easy to start saying, man, it's like, oh, that's all he cares about. It's not true. I, I have to make sure that it's clear that it's not true. And I think the last piece of this whole thing is I always want a team and family kind of atmosphere and culture. And without question, you can do that at every division here's the problem if i'm division one at certain in certain conferences we can be as family oriented and as you know close as we want as a team but if we losing i lost my job mm -hmm. so there has to be a a really like hardcore harsh expectation sometimes in the the higher level division one world or you ain't got a job so it's easier and I'll totally admit this, it's easier sometimes to create that kind of warm, welcoming family culture at a place like this than it is at some other places. But it's important. You guys know it's important. Uh, so. I, got, I got something I want to ask uh, that I think might be valid. Um, and, and, on, and, and with the track chat, most unknowns, we, 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 we ask real questions with real answers. Um, with you having some of the dynamic and really talented uh, men and women, has poaching from top tier D1 schools ever been an issue or a, a thing you've had to deal with? Oh, what do you mean by deal with? Poaching. So Miles, maybe even Trevor, you know how these bugs get put in people's ears or DMs start to, hey, you throwing that down in Ashland. Yeah, you right. really good in an LSU uniform or whoever. Mm -hmm. I don't need to yes, put okay. LSU out there. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Disclaimer. Clear. Disclaimer. He's not taking a shot at LSU, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So don't yeah, yeah, yeah. send this yeah. to Coach Favor. Any other school, because you that's a real thing. It's happened to me before. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, you know, you get the one person that was 14. You know, Kyle get this. It was 14-4 out of high school, and they run 13-35, and all of a sudden, they junior year. Oh, I'm not happy. Things yeah. aren't working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the fastest you've ever been, and then whoop, you end up somewhere else. Yeah, how do you no. that? Does that happen to you? And 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 how do you defend against that? I mean, it it does happen, but I'm a pretty open and transparent guy, 
and because of that, usually, not always, but usually my athletes also are pretty transparent and open. So, um, and I also think if you're going to leave, you're going to leave, you know, you know, you know how much I love you. You know how much I put into you. You know how much I believe in you. So if all of a sudden our little tiny indoor track ain't good enough and you didn't get enough t-shirts and you didn't get enough pairs of shoes and you think you want to be number four there instead of number four here. Mm. Okay. Usually doesn't work out. Now with, with those really good guys, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that both, and I'm going to speak specifically to Miles and Trevor because of the level that they were at and that they are at. I think they they have loyalty, loyalty to me and to Judd and to the program because of how much we put into them. Now, yeah. you know, could I say it will always be like that? You know, maybe not. But these are just – both of those guys are good men. They are good young men. And I don't really have anything to say that's a major flaw in their character. So, you know, how do I deal with it? I talk to my athletes. They bring it up to me. I talk to my athletes. I tell them what's against the rules and, and what's not and look at what we're doing and think about what you want to do. Uh, and oddly enough, sometimes, and this has been more than once, I think that it's it's not even like – coaches or whatever it's like friends and family and you're just like what are they mm -hmm. talking about um so anyway okay that was my question yeah so stems I, i'm glad you kind of re-brought it back up because i wanted to touch on it uh earlier so i know we talk about like you and trying to establish that culture so much at east tennessee state and what would always, what I have always believed, what does work is exactly what uh, my computer's about to die. But uh, exactly what Ernie talked about earlier is one of his athletes then became an extension of him. Yeah. And so when I walked my freshman class, when we walked through those Tennessee doors, Webb, Watson, Elliot, they didn't have to say a word to us. Like the upperclassmen at that time, they set us down and they let us know, mm -hmm. hey. This is what we are trying to do, and here's what we are going to do. You can either follow us or you can just stay out the way. Mm -hmm, right. And, and I've noticed it since I've been coaching. As soon as you have at least the right voice of athlete on your squad, mm -hmm. establishes that and becomes an extension of you, that's where I've seen, like, the culture, it really changes. Yeah, it really, right. But – and then the second piece is because I made this mistake – a lot of times as an assistant and now as a head, not so much. He said he's constantly he's constantly talking. All right. So he is not wavering from what his standard has been. And I know that we have probably all at some point fell victim to let me negotiate with this generation. Yeah. You know, let me try to make the adjustments versus saying, you know what? No, mm -hmm. this is my standard. This is going to be the standard because I don't think anyone sitting here right now has a ridiculous standard at all. You know, I think it just comes down to you have to keep constantly feeding them that like we're yep. a parent. You don't want to hear your parent, but they're going to keep saying it. No matter what, you're going to keep saying it and I'm going to keep holding you to it. And if you can't match that, there's the door. Yeah. Stay at home. 
That's what's hard though. You do that and you lose some of them. Yeah. And that's mm. the hard piece to swallow, I think sometimes, but it's, it's also reality. And I think we as coaches, especially as if you're a young coach, you have to, you just have to understand that if they're willing to step on you, step in and out for you, then they're going to step out when it matters. Like yeah. they're not going to be reliable. They may have a good, you know, a good meet here or there, but when it matters, they ain't going to be in. They're not going to have a step up moment. Got you. Got yeah. you. So I, I have, I have two, I have two questions. Um, I want to kind of get back. I want to kind of get back to the plan for Trevor moving forward. So what other needs do you have coming up this indoor and what is, what is the schedule like for your team? Let me, let me make sure I say that. Cause once again, we don't want no one feeling like, you know, <laughs> they're being left out because yeah, I already I mean, know, I already know he's going to have some teammates that's going to ride with him through everything. So what's the plan? Well, we, we actually had a meeting about that today. Um, mm -hmm. You know, part of having a successful NCAA championship is actually getting them there, right? So right. we're we've got a meet set up for our top four by four guys to go run the four by four and try to get our four by four time at a legit time that we feel like is going to get in. Uh, so that's lined up for this weekend, um, as well as uh, our DMR getting. Um, getting qualified as well. So we have, we pretty much have those two relays uh, going to Grand Valley State right now. Mm. The rest of the group is trying to hit some big performances at Kent State University in Ohio. Mm. Uh, so that's coming up. But uh, a lot of the team will then be off the following weekend, but then we're at, at our conference championships and then it's the NCAA championships. Gotcha. Like gotcha. It's, it's over. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Then this is a weird year. Mm -hmm. Um to get away from the track. Coach, you have been very vocal about everything that's been going on in society. You're one of the few coaches who when I say gets it and understands it, I've seen some of the back and forth that you had. Yeah, right. You, <laughs> you have know, you I've have seen it. Where I mean, obviously, I know where it comes from, but Explain to the panel and everyone that's watching where did it come from? Your 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 passion to 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 let everyone know that what's going on in society right now, especially when it comes down to young men and women of color, it's not right. Where did where, where did where did that compassion come from? Well, first I'm gonna try really hard not to get emotional about this. Uh and I know you guys don't even need that shit, but <clears throat> for me it goes way back to me being an eighth grade kid going to a really big, um, my parents separated when I was 11 years old and I went to this tiny farm town high school and we moved to a place called Elkhart, Indiana. That was, it was rough. There's a huge mix of people. Um, and I went from this tiny little school town to a middle school of 1400. And that, that middle school of 1400 had every type of human being that you can think of. And I always found it confusing because I, you know, I was not a very well off kid. You know, I, I just told some of my 
my ladies team is today. I was the kid wearing the same three or four t-shirts and clothes every week at one pair of shoes. That pair of shoes was for track practice, for gym, for school. But in, in that middle school, I was treated pretty bad as this like new dirty kid. Okay. And some of the kind of like coolest, most compassionate people were some of the, actually the young black guys. They, they were always like energetic. They were always like pulling me in when they could see that I was, you know, pretty much not fitting in. So that's, that always stuck with me, number one. And then as I got older, you know, some of my best friends and the best people that I had ever been able to be around, some of the people that believed in me the most were some of my black teammates in college. And now you just, you fast forward that to my track coaching career. Man, I just really dealt with some and helped and loved some really special young um, people of color. I mean, I, I'm talking all types. So those, those people always touched me and I, I always wanted to do a better job because I had, I had seen some stuff as a little kid and I had been pulled in in a positive way as a little kid and I never forgot it. And now you fast forward it to the fact that um, my wife is biracial, my father-in-law is a black man. So I've seen some things that they, that, you know, that they deal with, both, both as biracial people and interracial marriage and family. So, you know, just this mix of things makes me more aware and I have more of a passion to stay aware. I have more of a willingness and desire to pay attention. And a lot of people just don't want to pay attention. They want to make up, make up lies. They want to stick with, you know, what, what people told them for years. So I'm not going to sit here and work with these young black men and young black women and be silent. It, it just, it's just not right for one. And two, if they're going to bust their ass for me, I'm going to bust my ass for them. No, no matter, no matter what confrontation it causes me, no matter what friends I lose, I'm fine with it because it's about people. You know, you know, <laughs> this summer highlighted who really cares and who really does it. Yeah, it did. And when I saw you fight and I watched you literally lose a friend. I, I don't know. I think you lost a friendship on that one post. It was, well, it was a, it was a high school person. We weren't right. good buds or anything, but you right. know, he surfaced and all of a sudden wanted to have a conversation that, you know, cause you saw it was not real. He wanted to right. bring up points that were not legit. Right. And I was, it's again, I cared too much about, and, and I'm gonna, and, and I hope you, no one takes this wrong. I care too much about my people. And mm -hmm. when I say that, I mean my track family and my family. Right. To just, just to sit there and be silent and just let it go. I'm not going to. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, you know, you showed us a great, you showed us a side that, you know, that 
help me even understand why you as successful as you are. And, you know, I love it. Um, more success is going to come to you and, um, you know, keep fighting the good fight. You know, every, you know, every hand, every hand that's on deck is a hand that's going to help build a better future. So, you know, so I'm I appreciate that, man. You know, I definitely appreciate it too. I just came up with that, by the way, that, that right there was my MC, my rapping <laughs> skill right there. So, <laughs> But right. go ahead, go ahead, I know you probably like, know you got right. yeah. Now nah, we're gonna keep it moving. So you know, you know what time it is, Lamont. It is your time to shine. Don't mm. debate me on this. What you got for us? <laughs> okay. All right. On and this is this is real. And I want all the coaches who's gonna see this, it's gonna listen to this, and what have you. There was something that got that something that got resurfaced again in, in Coach Clark and myself was there to witness this situation. I know a lot of people feel some kind of way about the transgender um <laughs> athletes. No, no, I'm 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 being I'm being for real. I'm not okay. I'm not doing I'm I'm watching my words very carefully and I'm being very specific in what I'm saying. I know a lot of people had their own personal feelings about that uh, about the the you know, transgender, the transgender women mm -hmm. running against biological women. I understand the argument, but some, some of you coaches have to understand that you have public platforms. Mm -hmm. I need y'all to be careful. I have a friend who lost his job because he says something on Twitter and, you know, everything is public on Twitter. I don't care how, how locked down you got your stuff. Everything's public on Twitter. You know, you can feel how you want to feel, but at the end of the day, the NCAA, in case you don't know, the NCAA does not govern the conferences. The conference make their own specific rules. And if that conference said, hey, this individual could compete as a transgender athlete, we have to deal with it. Now, based on what I've been hearing, if that's going to be the case, then guess what? That one young lady who should have been in the meet. The NCA gotta let that person, gotta let that that young lady in to make it fair. Because let's be honest, the big the big hoopla in 2019 was okay. Well, there's girls who lost, there's four girls who lost their opportunity to go to the national championship meet. Okay, well, how do you make everyone happy? Okay, well, you you let you let a transgender athlete in, but then you also let the other athlete in because technically, had the transgender athlete not been there, this young lady would have been in the meet. And I think that's how you kind of smooth things off. That's just that's just. Uh, uh, off the top of the dome thought right there. But going back to the coaches, a lot of y'all being a little too damn reckless for my liking. Way too reckless. The um um CC 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 Telfair. Yeah, I believe that's how you pronounce uh the individual's name. CC Telfair. I'm being careful what I'm saying because I know they don't like to be referred to as he, she, or whatever the case may be. I'm still learning the rules too, so please don't kill me. So this individual was doing interviews and it resurfaced and I guess it must have opened up old wounds and people's posting this stuff and making very, very horrific transphobia statements about, about this individual. Stop it. Because it says a lot about you than it does about this individual. So I need y'all to be mindful. I need y'all to be careful. I need y'all to keep some of them thoughts to yourself. My mama always said, everything on your mind don't have to come out your damn mouth. Okay, sometimes you got to keep things bottled up and you got to go through the proper procedures in order for your voice to be heard without disparaging and disrespecting this individual because this individual is already going through enough. So respect, respect all parties, regardless of how you feel. 
Because remember, once upon a time, there's people who didn't want black people playing playing at University of Alabama. There was a time. Okay, let's not let's not have revisionist history now. There was a time. So we have to understand that. We have to we have to respect we have to respect whatever rule that the that specific conference did, and we have to figure out a way how to make everyone inclusive and not exclusive. And that's my don't debate me for today. All right. So uh coach clark as always we love to end the show by handing out our roses so since you are our guest we're gonna let you bring us home uh, okay stamps you go first lamont you second i'll go third and then coach Clark, you're gonna bring us home okay all right um that's gonna be a little bit different today i'm i'm giving my roses to theolonius monk a wonderful great jazz musician lately I just kind of had this jazz bug and I've been playing jazz uh, at practice and I don't know if it just settles my mood, but it's up tempo enough to, you know, the kids haven't really complained, but it's mellow enough to where I'm not as like keyed up. Cause I'll be honest with you, you know, going to Tennessee, the days that three, six mafia is playing, I come on, you know, my, my attitude and my energy is just a little bit different. Uh, so my kids have really appreciated like the, the subtle uh, uh, changes of mannerisms uh, by uh, the young uh, uh, Theolonius Monk. So if you ever had a chance to, uh, to to check them out, I mean, there's tons of great jazz musicians, man. But I'm gonna give my roses uh, to Mr. Monk. All right, Lamont. So I'm gonna give my roses to a woman that I've known for probably about the last eight years. Um, I don't mean to get all, you know, kill the mood or whatever the case may be, but um, I've known this woman for the last eight years and the horrific ordeals that she had to suffer. First, her mother died. Then she was in two relationships. One, one was a long-term relationship. The other one was a marriage. Both ended violently. Um, they, they both beat her. You know, they, they left her for dead they left her with four children okay this you know this woman could have quit and give up on everything in life on friday this woman will pass her rn traveling nurses certification so where she could become a traveling rn nurse that's with four kids she was homeless she was raising kids by herself mom died and her dad sick and she had no real no real income she was basically just getting by so i don't ever want to hear anybody tell me that it's too hard and you can't do it this woman has proven to me and everybody once again that there's no strength like the like the strength of a black woman and this woman gave her all and now she's about to show her children that mama can do it and nothing is impossible so so my girl sadell you know, I told you when I called you the other day that I was proud of you. Um, I told you I was going to give you a shout out on the show. Um, I'm giving my roses to you. Girl, I'm super proud of you. And you have inspired not just me, but everyone else who I told this story to. And your inspiration, your story needs to be told. And um, my roses go to you, baby girl. Love you. I mean, y'all, y'all know I always try to lighten the mood. Y'all come so, <laughs> y'all always come so heavy. But look, man, it's it's Lovers Week. It's Valentine's uh, weekend coming up, so I'm giving my roses to all the couples. So, uh, hey. 
Hey, yeah, nah, seriously. What about, what about the monster? About the, monster? the monster. Come on, man, stop. <laughs> so we gonna, we gonna, I'm going to get there, too. I'm, I'm giving my roses uh, to all the couples out there, man. I don't think couples get enough love these days. Uh, I think we're at a place in society where uh, everyone is trying to be a celebrity or putting on like they have money and, you know, you can do things so independently and have a happy life. And it's not that you can't, but uh, I mean, I'm currently single and, but I will say things are better shared, you know, experiences are better shared. So for those that are in relationships, those that are married, man, shout out to y'all, uh, continue to celebrate one another on a daily, definitely have some fun this weekend, some safe fun this weekend, wherever y'all are, but I'm giving my roses to y'all. Because, you know, every now and then I do a little live show on IG, you know, talking about relationships. It's pretty good if y'all ever on there and check it out. Hey, y'all may want to watch that inbox. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm giving my roses to y'all. All All right, Coach Clark, man, you bring us home. All right, man. Pretty easy for me before any of you guys started, but you led right into it. I'd, I'd, without question, hand my roses uh, to my wife. Um, my little five foot two queen um, always keeps me grounded. Um, she does an r- incredible job of helping me um, and supporting me work really hard. And she gives great advice uh, for me to do a, a good job coaching and to be brave, even about things like, you know, getting, getting a sim- something as simple as like supporting me about getting Trevor into the American League. Because um, that's a pretty big deal. It's a long shot. But she was really supportive of doing that. But she also holds me accountable to, to be a good dad and to help at home. And, uh, and I, I, re- I just appreciate the fact that she helps me and forces me to balance because I think it's really important. As I've gotten older, I've noticed myself and other coaches accidentally lose balance. And I think she does a good job of helping me keep balance. So there's that piece. And coach, you just said it. It's really, it's truly special to have someone to share experiences and success with. And I wish I had video of it. But when, when Trevor ran, um, on ESPN pre Super Bowl, she was holding holding my one year old, and she was doing high knees, and she was screaming. Um, and then when when he was running his four hundred, and the American Track League was kind of panned out, and we could see Trevor in the background, and then they made it disappear. She's screaming at the TV, maybe even saying some cuss words because she cares about it too. Those experiences with her are incredible and i just remember saying to her hey thank you because this would be very different it would still be exciting but it's way more exciting with you you know being involved in in caring and what's funny is you know you you have a moment like that and that athlete does something pretty special your team does something really special you know and it's funny then we, then we put the kids to bed and then we go to the kitchen and you know, take out the trash and do the dishes. You realize in those big moments, too, that you're still the same person. Like, you know, you nothing 
nothing really changed, just some of the work paid. And in this case, Trevor's work paid in my belief and my work. But it's really nice to have those big moments with her, but also just the chill moments too. Mm -hmm. hey, trust me, I know it. Well, look, guys, this has been uh, definitely, I say it a lot, but nah, like Ernie, man, you have been a blessing. Like it's been a pleasure talking to you. And same uh, for me, guys. You no, know, we're gonna let you get home, you know, to your family. It looks like you're still at the office. Yeah. So let you yeah. get out of here, man. This has been another track chat with the most known unknowns. I love you guys. I am Coach Kyle, my boy Coach Stamps, the alchemist himself. Do it for Lil Saint, aka Lamont Johnson. And Thanks, the big man. coach, man, up there at Ashland, Coach yeah. Ernie Clark. All right, I'll see y'all next week. We out. <laughs>